1: What's a Padawan? Must be the money, boy! Oh, mama! The best in college football. The best in college sports.
3: This is College Sports Now.
1: Your inside look at the biggest games from around the nation.
3: Here's Steven Hartzell and
4: Wayne Cook. Ah, yes, it is championship week. We inch closer to Friday night when Utah and Oregon hook up at Levi's Stadium for the Pac-12 championship. And then we've got wall-to-wall action on Saturday for what is technically championship week. It's week 15 of the college football season. Uh, The final four will be set on Sunday, December 8th. The committee will uh, huddle up and give us something. I'll be honest, Wayne. First of all, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Good to have you back here on the program. Love catching up with you, getting to talk ball here on the program. It'll be a lot of fun. But, you know, the committee is – they got their work cut out for them because – Based on what they did on Tuesday night, moving Utah up to five, as expected, but putting Oklahoma, Baylor, and Wisconsin six, seven, eight. I feel like they've given themselves a lot of outs here based on the scenarios that may or may not play out over the next uh, several days. What say you?
2: I thought that was very interesting that you put Wisconsin on your list and you didn't stop at Baylor. So is your thought – First of all, hey Cerber and uh, and Hartzell, how are you guys? Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, 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 this is a great weekend. I thought, dude. I I, I, the f-
4: I my body. I, I did things to my body last week for Thanksgiving <laughs> that are going to take several weeks to undo. Like that's the, the thing eating, about the eating or yeah, the drinking. Both. That's the thing both. about. What, I'm thirty six. Okay. Full disclosure. I know I sound like I'm twenty four, but I'm old. Um, it's just a number. I don't feel that old. You but say the, that
2: to the forty-eight-year-old on the other side of the yeah, microphone. Yeah, Wayne, you're in Come great on, shape.
4: Man. Like you are amazing, a, amazing you're, shape. You're yes, a much fit dude. Than you. Okay, you yeah, live in Southern California. You. you got good skin. You got good hair. Like you got things yeah. going for you. Yeah. You're tall. Server and I work <laughs> in radio. Okay, like we are not the most kempt <laughs> individuals. My point is, once you get to a certain point, your metabolism slows down. And yes, as a thirty-six-year-old who went hard last week for Thanksgiving. It's gonna take several <laughs> weeks to get it back, and there ain't yeah. much to get back anyway. That's all I'm saying. Just a lot of pecan pie I, I, sitting I, right in my midsection. That's all. The
2: the fattest years of my life were when my kids were really young. So 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 honestly, like the biggest I ever got, because you're you're kind of when you're young, like you mentioned, and your metabolism's working and going strong, and then you, you know, you, you still you know care about your appearance because you know you 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 and your bride or you know. Still looking at each other with googly eyes and all that good stuff. For life, bro. Yeah. And then kids come around, and, and you're tired all the time. You don't have a lot of extra energy. You're working hard to pay for them. And you just eat what's ever in front of you. I mean, I think I was – I weigh 200 and about five pounds right now when my when my kids were little. And now, granted, my kids are seven years apart, so this was quite a few years. But especially for my first child when he was young, I got up to almost 240 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Big it's boy. a lot, Big lot boy. bigger. Anyway, so, hey, all that, you'll be fine. You take care of yourself. You know, you, you want to live a healthy life. You'll have more energy. But let's go back to this. You, you put Wisconsin in there. Is that because if Wisconsin were to beat Ohio State, they have a chance? Well, Wisconsin's
4: got two L's, so it's going to be a that, challenge.
2: But, but I'm saying, but if they knock off the number one team in the nation and craziness happens, let's say LSU does beat Georgia. Let's say Oregon beats Utah. And I don't know. Let's just because I think if Oklahoma beats Baylor, it's 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 good for Oklahoma. But I don't know. But what if Baylor beats Oklahoma? I know they would either went either one there as a one loss team. But I think the committee has already shown that they probably think that the uh, the the Big Ten is is a better conference than the than the um, than the Big Twelve. So. Are you saying that's a possibility? You think that's maybe why they slid in there?
4: I think my my I think the bigger thing that I took away from Tuesday night, which of course I did not watch live, but I'm sure you did, was that you know the the debate is going to rage Friday night into Saturday morning, assuming Utah takes care of business. The committee could get okay. a serious pass here no. if Utah can't handle their business against Oregon. And by the Do- way, I know you're not Vegas guy, Wayne, but have you seen the line on Utah Oregon Friday night?
2: I haven't, but Utah's favorite, right?
4: Utah's favored by six and a half points. Yeah,
2: I'm that, not surprised. I mean, you know, Oregon can't do what it did against Arizona State. I mean, that showed that showed a, there, there's something wrong. Because I, I saw Arizona State up close and personal, and they're not anything special. Yeah, but Tempe at a, night, yeah, ranked teams, uh, that's matter. where they go doesn't, to hey, die. It doesn't matter. It, it, Oregon should have taken, if they had played that game ten times, they would have won nine times. And so the problem is, is that after saying that they didn't, they blew it, and that's what the beauty of this is. So I have a lot of takes here um, as, as we go through this. I think the committee's smart because guess who plays each other? Sure. LSU and Georgia do, and I think the assumption that Georgia's going to lose, and then Utah's sitting right there. If you listen to some of the powers of B, I I saw you know Herb Street talking about Utah, and he said some very intelligent things. Not just because it's for the Pac-12. But he talked about what, since the SC loss, and I'm going to keep throwing out that that Zach Moss, uh, you know, one of the best running backs around, uh, played in that game, but very, you know, but not much. He was banged up. Um, Utah has been demolishing people. Just absolutely taking care of everybody. Utah is not a team. Someone says, well, Utah doesn't start fast enough. That's not, if, you, if you're an idiot and you don't watch football, then you can say something like that. But if you actually know... Utah and the way they play, they they do that. They they kind of set you up early. They, have, they body blow you to death, and then by the end of the game, you've got nothing left. They just absolutely destroy you with their efficiency on both sides of the ball. They're strong and they're physical. So if Georgia loses to LSU, I think Utah's going to slide in. Now, granted, we haven't seen the game yet, and I'm going to tell you this in advance. Utah-Oregon is not it's not a foregone conclusion just like LSU Georgia is not a foregone conclusion just you know Oklahoma Baylor we know that's going to be a good game and I don't think oh I think Ohio State and and uh, and Clemson are going to win I, I I think you know I like the way Wisconsin looked last week against Minnesota but Minnesota's not they're not Ohio State uh it, it's just Ohio State is a different animal um so here's where I get scared and this is the part that kills me. And I, I heard uh, um, I'm going to go and, and, and there's some some interesting things. There was a one of the you know, one of the sounders when they came back from on, on on one of the ESPN shows I was listening to, there was a and I don't even know who it was. But someone was like, every game counts. You know, that's a great thing about college football. If we expand the playoff, we will lose what makes college football great. I've heard so many people say that. And I'm like, How? Even if we expanded the playoff, you don't think the fact of the matter is, is right after they said that, what's going to happen if LSU loses to Georgia? They're still going to get in, according to most people. Is that true? Mm, uh, That I mean, a lot of people are saying that. Can you can you at least agree on that? Because they would be a one loss team and that loss would be against a very good opponent and as dominant as they've been all year. And if, it, if you said it didn't matter when you lost, because a lot of teams are going to have one loss, that if you looked at LSU and you looked at Utah and you looked at Baylor or Oklahoma, and you all have one loss, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to think, you know what, I still think LSU is better. Well, let, let, let's say no, this. No, but but let, me, let me let me finish this thought. Ahead, the reason why I said that, and and, and le- the reason why I brought that up is because the same person that said that everything, every game counts, a lot of these same people are... We're willing to put Alabama in the playoffs, still even if they didn't win their conference championship, are willing to put in an LSU even if they don't win their conference championship. Conference championships should be the first round of the playoff. If you lose a game this late, you're done. Sorry, go home. I I, I know that sounds terrible, but and you know me. I want the eight-team playoff, and I know people like Steven Hartzell are going to say, well, what if Wisconsin wins? That's just not right. So if Wisconsin beats the number one team in the nation to keep playing, you're saying that's not right.
4: That's not what I'm saying. But...
2: but But a lot of people say that. And it's like, well, how is that not right? They won their championship in a great conference. The Oklahoma-Baylor team, should, you know, everybody thinks that I just want Utah to go. Because of the system that we're in, I'm rooting for Utah because I think offensively and defensively, they're a more complete team than Georgia, Oklahoma, and Baylor. That's what I think. But you know what? Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor have all played unbelievably different schedules, they play in different conferences. They play people at different times of the year. There's so many factors. I actually think Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor all have an argument. But I do think that you need to win a championship for that to be valid. That's just my opinion. Well, okay.
4: There you go. No, that's great. The committee most likely uh, come Saturday night, you know, when the dust settles, are going to be faced with, and again, I, I don't want to turn the whole show into scenario radio, right? Yeah, but those are just a couple. Now we don't have a ton of but, scenarios. But the most likely scenario is that you're going to have a 12 and one Utah versus a 12 and one Big 12 champ. Yep.
2: And exactly. Vegas, that's, the, that's what's likely to. Yeah.
4: Happen. Vegas has Oklahoma favored by over a touchdown against Baylor. So 12 and one Utah versus 12 and one Oklahoma. Yep. And I was thinking of you earlier this week because I saw Paul Feinbaum, who is a oh boy, blatant, he's been on fire lately. He's a blatant SEC homer, but it's not homer. just homer. It's Mike Greenberg. It's all these ESPN guys who are feeding at yep. the trough, who, by the way, I mean, again, just back away for a minute, realize that ESPN literally owns the college football playoff. They they are they pay for it. They are bankrolling the entire operation. Okay, just, just keep that in mind when you see all this stuff coming at you over uh, TV, Internet, radio, digital, social, all that stuff. It's, it, it's all – just consider the source. I, I say this because the debate is going to rage. Twelve and one Utah, who a lot of people, Wayne, a lot of people, who are who are doing this talking on the East Coast, have not seen play versus twelve and one Oklahoma, who they see Oklahoma, they see the brand, they see Lincoln Riley, they know the name, they know Jalen Hurts, like this is the debate that's going to rage. Do and they I, know I, their
2: playoff record?
4: I very good, very good point. Um, but, I mean,
2: defense at this time of year tends to be important, right? And Utah is flat out good at defense.
4: My hope is that Utah if they do get a win over Oregon, wins with some style points because, in fairness to Utah, they, they shouldn't have to. They though. shouldn't have to, but they have been for about the last six weeks. They have been running away and hiding from teams. Yeah, Oklahoma but Oregon Oregon's not. the
2: second-best team in the conference. Oregon plays defense. Yeah, both of these Oregon teams has a good. I mean, this yeah. is going to be a battle, and that's what irritates me, too, because everybody's saying the same thing you just said. Well, Utah has to has to kill Oregon. Why? Why? Oregon up until last their, their loss was a team that was legitimately because Oregon is a brand. See Oregon, like Oklahoma is a brand Utah's not. So, so that what, what we're talking about here is if Oregon beats Arizona state, the, the, the narrative is Oregon's going to need to beat Utah. But if Oregon just beats Utah, they would have been a likely choice to get into that spot. Because again, I go back to LSU, Georgia, and, and you, you put it down and this is, um, and it's not just LSU, it's Ohio State too. Those two teams have been so dominant this year. So dominant. And even Clemson. I mean, God forbid a crazy thing happens. We all just assume Clemson's going to beat Virginia. But let's just say craziness ensues. There's a lot of turnovers. There's there's things that I listened to Dabo Sweeney uh, in an interview today. Trust me, he knows how hard they're going to have to fight. Um, these games are never easy. Uh, I mean that's like a 28 point spread or something like that, right? I mean yeah, that's it's absurd. It's, it's yeah, huge. four touchdowns. Yeah, but but if any of those teams lose, you could you end up with all these one loss teams, and it, it's going to be it would be kind of fun to see what they come up with, but it's going to be chaos. Yeah, I well, mean it's going to be chaos because you could still make the argument that those teams and I and again, if Ohio State were to lose to Wisconsin, let's just say Jonathan Taylor goes off and just absolutely go, has a great day. Uh, Justin or, Fields throws three turnovers, I was going to
4: say, the, the more realistic scenario, Justin Fields, who apparently has a sprained MCL in his knee. I don't know what oh, he, degree he, he, of the sprain, listen. but that's a problem.
2: Hey, by the way, that was maybe the best moment of the whole weekend. Not the fact that he got hurt because that freaked me out. I was like, man, don't have this happen now. I hate it when, when, when seasons, just like with Tua, I never want to see a great player injured because it just affects so much in the college football landscape. But when he came back in and threw that touchdown pass... I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? And as a Heisman voter, you notice that. Sure. You know, Justin Fields has been kind of ignored all year, especially since he's got a couple of other, you know, maybe not top top five Heisman guys, but when you look at, you know, the other players on that team like J.K. and Chase, they those guys are, are legitimately some of the best players in the country, so he kind of gets overlooked. But that was a Heisman moment if there ever was one. The, in a huge game, to come in and throw that laser for a touchdown was awesome. But you're right, he could he could do that. And again, at the end of the day, if you asked me, well, okay, here's a one-loss Ohio State team and a one-loss LSU team, who would you take over Utah and Oklahoma? If we were all trying to fit one of those, you know, say if it was Ohio State, Utah, and Oklahoma fighting for it now. I'd be like, mm, I don't know, probably Ohio State from what I've seen. But I hate that. I hate that I have to make that decision. I shouldn't have to. It, it should be, you know a conference champion thing, and then you're putting Ohio State in, even though they lost, as a 6th, 7th, or 8th seed. Again, here we go with my 18 playoff. Oh, boy. But if we end up with all these one-loss team scenarios, the conference champions automatically get in. But maybe Ohio State or an LSU or a Clemson, if they were to lose their conference champion, would still get in and have the opportunity to prove that they were the best team in the nation.
4: Look, you can make arguments on both sides of the aisle, not to borrow a political reference in this uh, very much divided time, but look, it, it's with, it, it's going to be 12-1 Utah, assuming they beat Oregon. It's going to be 12-1 Oklahoma or 12-1 Baylor. Don't sleep on Baylor, by the way. They've got no. the same issue that Utah does, not a brand, right? Baylor's a great
2: has a great argument.
4: It's though. a phenomenal story. Yes, Baylor can well, say no, no, we but they're, beat they're everybody argument. on our schedule. We, we exactly. avenged our loss, much like Oklahoma did to Texas a year ago in their big 12 championship. I I just, I, I, I there are some
2: solid teams on their schedule that they've beaten. You can't, you can't look at that schedule now and say they didn't beat anybody. You throw in the Kansas States and the Oklahoma States. And there are some teams that are solid on that schedule. So, you know, Baylor, if they, if they can avenge a game that they were winning big and kind of gave it up and let and Oklahoma won it, but, but Baylor had to make some mistakes in that game too. They can avenge that again. And I, and, and I hope people grasp what I'm saying. If Baylor could do that, and Utah beats Oregon, I I just it, you're, you're you're making a bad call no matter what. So please don't think I'm just Utah all the way. I think Utah statistically, offensively and defensively, is the most solid team, and I'm including Georgia. Of those, of those Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor, I am saying that based on the numbers. But I this is what I hate. I hate that because I think all all of those teams, if they were one loss teams with a championship. I don't know how you pick. I just I think it's a screwed system. I think it's completely wrong if this happens. Even if you're choosing between now, if Oregon, you know what the committee wants? Committee wants Oregon to beat Utah. It takes Utah out of the equation. Oregon goes to the Rose Bowl, then problem solved. We don't have to worry about the Pac-12 anymore, and then we can argue over whether or not it's you know whoever wins you know, it, you know whoever wins the Oklahoma Baylor game because you know if Georgia loses, they're going to be out, and you'd slide in Oklahoma or Baylor because they won. So that's what the committee. That would be the easiest thing to happen. If Utah wins, then we have a problem because you're going to have a Pac-12 champion and a Big 12 champion with one loss.
4: Well, Wayne, we're going to have a problem.
2: I mean, I'll just. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, no, I know.
4: I'm, I don't. I'm not. I'm not predicting it makes the future. It, do you agree, though, that it makes it easier if Oregon wins? Look, I, I think, th- yeah, of course. The, the committee, yeah. I, I want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. And it's not just guys. There's a female a, a female that's on the college football playoff committee as well. I want to give this group the benefit of the doubt. They've done absolutely nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt so far. And quite frankly, I, I think they're going to be faced with the decision where a 12-1 and Power 5 conference champ is is yep. not going to the dance and yep. people will be irate people will be pissed and they will have a right to be so but I'm just saying if if a name brand school gets in over a Utah I, I think we got a problem I mean I I already think we have a problem uh again we'll, we'll talk college football playoff yeah. further we got Phil Steele dropping by oh, in 15 beautiful. minutes I want to pivot though and talk a little coaching carousel with you real quick
2: you think is there is there stuff going on
4: there's a lot of is, stuff going what's on. Happened? Okay, good stuff. Well, out West, there's a lot going on. There are some vacancies in the SEC. Florida State still hasn't named a head coach, even though their athletic director, when they fired Willie Taggart, said, we'll have somebody in place by November 30th. Well, at time of publication, it is December 5th. Uh, As my mom used to say, you are a day late and a dollar short. We still don't know what they're doing at Florida State. You got vacancies at Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri, but the Washington situation this week really caught me by surprise, Wayne. I'd like to get your insight on what you thought about Chris Peterson stepping down as the head coach in Seattle after six seasons. Because if you had me list the top 10 coaches in college football at the beginning of the season, and I know Washington had a 6-5, and five, I guess 7-5, and five, they won the Apple Cup. Chris Peterson would probably be fringe top 10 on that list for me. Uh I was shocked to see him step down. I'd be kind of curious to know what your take was as somebody who follows the league on uh, Chris Peterson stepping down in Seattle. First of all, I've been
2: a I've been a fan of Chris Peterson for a long time. You know, again, out here we see a lot of Boise State late night games on that blue turf. And just this, the 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 games, the you know who was it Oklahoma that they were playing when they did the uh Statue of Liberty thing behind the yeah, back.
4: The old festival. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, just so many cool moments to one of the players, you know, proposing to a cheerleader on the sidelines, just, you know, Boise state's been a brand out here for a long, long time. And I think they're national. I mean, everybody knows who Boise state is. They're, they're in the mix every year. Um, Chris Peterson was a, uh, it's just always struck me as a, as the kind of guy that's kind of an old school throwback character. First coach does things the right way. Um, but he's also an example of how ridiculous our society has become. We we talk about it on this show all the time, and I'm not Chris Peterson. I've heard the press conferences. I've heard what he said. The anxiety, the stress, the everything this sport puts you through. He's been great uh, at his at in his six years at Washington. When Jake Browning was quarterback, you know they started off you know really well. He ended up playing in one of the college football playoffs. I mean he he did a great job for a Pac-12 school. But even by the end of the Jake Browning era, you know, the questions were, what's wrong? Why isn't Jake Browning better? And I guarantee you that Chris Peterson loves Jake Browning. He's like a, a, a son to him. And to listen to people, and Jake Browning always handled it like a man, but, you know, nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. I mean, people, Alabama fans were all over Saban right after Tua got hurt. We just live in a society now where it's like we're a bunch of freaking piranhas that no matter what, it's never good enough. You know, you could be Jim Harbaugh and win 10 games a year. And I know they haven't beat Ohio State, but who has? I mean, I get it that Michigan is not good enough. But what's good enough then? 128 teams and probably 125 teams in America aren't good enough. After a while, it doesn't matter. Penn State's been a good football program. You know what, Coach Franklin? You're not good enough. You're not winning national championships. It doesn't matter where you're at. This whole P.J. Flex stuff is going to be fun, but after a while, be like, dude, how come you couldn't win that game? How come you're not playing for a champion? It's not good enough. You have to do nothing but hear about it constantly over and over and over again. You get These coaches are getting paid a lot more money than they used to. The, if you get paid the big bucks, you are expected to, to bring results. And let's be honest, there's only one Nick Saban, and there's only one Dabo Sweeney, and there was only a, one Urban Meyer, and he's retired now. Other than that, it's it's a constant chase for how can we find lightning in a bottle? And even amongst those coaches, remember when Mac Brown and Les Miles were the talk of the town? Remember when Auburn was winning with 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 uh, with with Cam Newton? Yeah. Well, within a Chizik, co- sure. Yeah. within a couple of years, it's like, hey, man, you're no good anymore. We need to fire you. That is not a great environment. And I and I know that people think that the money solves all of our problems. I'm like, do people ever watch reality TV? Money doesn't – those people have probably bigger problems than a lot of people. As a matter of fact, a lot of those wealthy people on those shows are as messed up as can be. So it's funny that we just think – and people love to throw this one out there, and I actually wrote this down as a quote uh, because I heard someone talking about it. Like people think that, like, oh, you get to play a game. I I challenge anybody to go through one season of, of football practice, football games, and you tell me at the end of the day that it is a fun game like playing Yahtzee with your friends. You get beat up, tore up, messed up, smacked, concussed, bloodied. It's absolutely nasty. And then you have to listen to everybody tell you you suck when you don't win. Most people that go to work every day do not have to deal with that kind of torture. And and I I use that word because I wouldn't change it for anything, but there's only a select group of people on the planet that can go through the rigors that football brings. And these coaches, shoot, I hosted the UCLA football banquet on uh, on Sunday after we played Cal. So the next morning, uh, beautiful banquet, wonderful experience. Coaches were leaving halfway through to go recruit. They don't even get a day off. It's like bye, go hit go hit the road. You got to go. It, it is an absolute year round. It's it's just hard, and so I get it. I, I mean, I, I Chris Peterson. I'm I'm sad he's gone. He was great for the Pac-12. I hope he gets refreshed and comes back. He's still young, mid fifties, um, and a great coach. But I get it. I totally get it. This is an absolute stress filled job. Um, luckily, they have a coach. They had a coach in mind already anyway, and, and Jimmy Lake. And I think they think he's going to do a great job, just like with Coach Day and, and Ohio State. You always want to inherit a team that's already winning. I know Washington was a little bit down this year, but still, trust me, they've got plenty of talent there. So I think it's a good situation. It's a lot harder to take over a team that's lost a lot. But anyway, I'm bummed about it, but I actually get it at the same time.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, look, there's I understand guys who want to watch the grass grow or watch their grandkids grow up and all that type of stuff. I get that. Um, but Seattle's not exactly the pressure cooker. In terms of like the college football oh, don't, town you may, that you, you think know, of, don't, you know what I'm saying?
2: I, I don't. I don't agree with that. Okay. The the, the fans up in the north in, in the northwest are rabid, man. It, it, this those people are hungry. They were that when Washington went through a dry spell, like when I was growing up, Washington, Washington, USC, and UCLA were the three elite schools and if you want to look that up if you don't believe me and you notice i threw in ucla i'll give you the
4: benefit true. of the doubt yes just I'll give you trust the me on this doubt. those
2: schools were winning at a very high rate they have had washington has had legendary coaches okay um and 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 then they went through some years where they weren't very good and this happens to a lot of programs you go i mean even alabama had some some downtime in their history um but now that they're back, you you trust me. I, I'll tell you this: they want to win there. I mean, I called Washington a sleeping giant for a long time. Um, there, and you—if you watch Seattle Seahawks games, you watch any sporting events, you watch a soccer match, and and in that part of the world, and the the, the fans are nuts. So I, I I disagree. I think there is pressure. I think they want to win. Um, and when you're trying to carry the flag of the Pac-12 every year, that's a lot of pressure too. Sure. Um, so I mean I, again, uh nobody wants to I mean Urban Meyer, he stepped down more than once because of health issues.
4: Allegedly. You know,
2: trust me, yeah, I know, but trust me, it's 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 there's it's not a stress free environment. It's not just these guys aren't just sitting back collecting their millions. You did you watch Nick Saban, the, the, the reaction he had at one point in time during that game?
4: Yeah, we made a gif about it on our College uh, Sports Now account Saturday I, when it happened. I thought
2: I thought he was going to implode. I mean, the, the guy completely lost it. Do you think that there's a little stress there? I mean, this guy's done everything you could possibly imagine. And at that point, he basically lost his mind because he cares that much. And when you care a lot, that leads to the anxiety that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, he's a pretty high-strung guy, right? Chris Peterson doesn't seem nearly as high-strung as, as uh, you know, he's so intense that even his press conferences – are intense. Chris Peterson seemed much more laid back, but if you ever watch him on the sidelines, he's 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 into it, man. There's there's a lot of stress involved in this in this job.
4: Well, let's phrase it this way. What was more surprising from this week, Chris Peterson stepping down at the head coach of Washington or Clay Helton being retained as the head coach of Southern Cal?
2: Clay Helton, it's funny because the fan base is basically everywhere you know they always want to win everything i just talked about this well who are you going to get usc i mean other than urban meyer who it is my humble opinion is going to stay retired at least for a while who are you going to get who i mean who's out there are you going to i mean you're going to go get another coach that washed a lost i mean they were eight and four and and close to winning some of the games they lost this was a team that was exciting they weren't as good as what sc fans want but Clay Helton, at an institution that has struggled a little bit with image, is a class act. A good guy. He follows the rules. He does things the right way. They've got a freshman phenom at quarterback right now. At least it feels like he is. They may lose a receiver or two. Yes. But they've got talent. Two of those, two of those four have to come back because they're a sophomore and a freshman. So the idea and Vaughn's may or may not leave. I don't know. If I was him, I'd come back and lead the team in receptions and be a first-round draft choice instead of a third-round draft choice. But And I'm not saying I'm not an expert on draft choices, but you know Pittman's the, the, the most NFL-ready right now. But you know come back with that. I, I just think it's a good idea. You can evaluate him for one more year if you're the new AD. And if things don't work out, yeah, you can always move in a different direction. But they were the third-best team in the Pac-12. And, and we're still playing for a Pac-12 South championship up until Utah you know, won out. So they were right there, and they beat Utah. So there are signs of life at USC. Um, so I, I'm not surprised by that. I was way more surprised like you that, that Chris Peterson. I thought they were going to have him for – because he doesn't seem like a guy that would move for bigger and better things. I think he was going to stay at Washington until he retired. He just happened to retire a lot sooner than I thought.
4: Yeah, and we'll see if he uh, we'll see if he decides to step back into coaching uh, after stepping down as the head coach of the Huskies. I I'd like to revisit the coaching carousel talk because I love this this period in college football. To me, it's fascinating because you can be a bad hire away from setting your program back a half decade, or you could be a a, a big great hire away from taking your program to the next level. I think it's fascinating. I love following it. Let's take a break, though, because we got our man Phil Steele on the line, and we got to run through some of these championship games with our man Phil Steele. We call him the Godfather. He joins the show live next.
1: Let's jump into Pepper's world of play. Look for spring
3: flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.
4: It's conference championship weekend. There are football games, not as many as what we're accustomed to, but we still got games. We'll talk about them with our man, Phil Steele, who joins the show every week. Phil, thanks so much for making the time for us. Uh, earlier, in, before, before you came on, Wayne and I were talking about the coaching carousel, right? Chris Peterson stepping down at Washington. You got a couple of SEC vacancies out there. You still got the Florida State job that's dangling out there. Anything early in the uh not necessarily the off season, but any of those coaching moves surprise you so far?
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go with old miss and uh getting rid of uh, Matt Luke. I thought Luke had done a- I mean you look at the freshmen they had. Almost all the players on the team that were scoring this year were freshmen. They had uh Plumley at quarterback, Jerry on Ely at uh running back, a lot of talent. They led the SEC in rushing for crying out loud. They had two great coordinators and Rich Rodriguez on offense and Mike McIntyre on defense. I thought they were poised to really make a move next year. And this was their first move back after losing all those scholarships. So they still weren't a fully scholarship team, really. Uh, I was really surprised they let him go. He's a guy that uh, lives and breathes uh, Ole Miss football, and I'm not quite so sure about that one. Mm.
2: It's, it, it's interesting, Phil, uh, watching the rankings last night, and, I, and I'm, I'm fine with where they put everybody. Steven and I were talking about this earlier, too, and I'm curious what you think. And I, I think it's – it, let's just say Utah, and I don't think Utah against Oregon. I think that's going to be a dogfight myself. Um, but if Utah does end up winning and they're with one loss and then the Baylor-Oklahoma champion at one loss – this could be that year that you have a one loss champion of a power five school that gets left out. And I know there's other scenarios that could make this even weirder, but, it, but that seems the simplest, let's say LSU does beat Georgia and then there's a spot open in that fourth spot. Uh, I'm just curious what you think about that. I know you and Steven are both four-team playoff guys. I like the expansion model myself, uh, but what do you think if that happens?
3: Well, uh, sometimes, I mean, I think that would, what they would cause is maybe a little toughening in the non-conference schedules from some of these teams. You look at the amount of ranked foes that uh, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor have beat this year, <laughs> and hasn't been many. So uh, I, I think really when you look at college football this year, Ohio State has to be in the playoff. LSU has to be in the playoff, and Clemson has to be in the playoff. I think those three have to be in there. And then the, really the question is who's number four? I don't think expanding it to eight, making an Ohio State and an LSU and a Clemson play yet another game against a weaker opponent to get to the Final Four is really necessary. So I'm I'm staying with my four there, uh, Wayne. I mean, but, Phil, but, go ahead, on, Wayne. I'm let, sorry.
2: Let, I just want to follow it up, though. But if you ended up with uh, Utah and let's just say Oklahoma with with one loss vying for that spot, do you feel at all that you're leaving out a team that probably earned it? But because there's only four, and I'm, again, I'm not talking about eight in this case. I'm just talking about that extra spot. Just seems like, you know, even if it's Baylor, I don't care. Of those three teams right there, being a one-loss champion, if they were left out, it. Do you think they have a good gripe as to hey, why, you know, why? And I get what you're saying about non-conference. That's a way to solve this problem. But in this case, you know, none of them really played the greatest of non-conferences. So it makes it such a hard decision, and someone's going to be, in their minds, screwed.
3: Yeah, they will be. And, uh, you know, I think that that's going to happen sometimes when you get down there. But once again, I'd be standing on my soapbox and screaming right now if it was a two-team playoff, and you were going to leave Clemson out of the playoff, (laughs) or you're going to leave LSU out of the playoff, or you're going to leave Ohio State out of the playoff, because they've won every game. Uh, Those three teams have all played, you know, well, Clemson hasn't played, that great of a schedule, but they've been absolutely dominant all year. I think those three have to be in the playoff. And then once you get outside there, you know, Bob, I think Utah deserves the fourth spot. We could get on a whole tangent there, maybe when we talk about the Pac-12. But uh, I I think right now three teams have to be in the playoff this year.
4: Yeah, whoever gets that fourth spot, Phil, I mean, they're going to be a heavy underdog in that first semifinal, right? Because you've got got those three elite teams that you just mentioned, and then the fourth, yes, while they may be going – it's not going to go well for them, most likely in the semifinal.
3: Yeah, what would happen if you took an Ohio State an LSU and a Clemson in that first round, and they're playing teams like, you know, maybe a, a an Oklahoma or a Baylor or Wisconsin or somebody there, and all of a sudden they suffer a couple of injuries, and then they advance to the next round, they suffer a couple more injuries, and maybe get knocked out. I don't want to see Cinderella win the national title. I want every game of the regular season to mean something. I want our national champ to be. The best team in college football.
4: Ah oh, man, I could not agree with you more. Keep the Loyola Chicago's and the Sister Jeans at home, baby. Oh That's basketball we talk. That
3: for that other sport, yeah, right? that we sport don't play basketball. We don't need like that. that. Yeah,
4: we don't need that. We, I'll take that in March <sighs> and April. I'm fine with that. Let, let's yep. talk. Let's talk Pac-12. We've been talking a lot about Utah. You mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, when it was looking like Oregon was going to be a one-loss team coming out of the North that you would not be surprised if Utah was a slight favorite when they hooked up in Santa Clara. Well, the line is out, Utah is a a 6.5-point favorite against the Ducks at Levi's Stadium Friday night. Phil, do you agree with the line, and how do you see this one playing out?
3: You know, I do agree with the line. I am a little concerned about the weather. supposed to have nearly a 100% chance of rain, winds about 15 to 20 miles an hour. Hope it doesn't turn out. Remember last year, the Pac-12 title game was a 10-3 game. A real defensive struggle. Hopefully that doesn't impact the two teams. But uh, I think when you look at Utah, they are the most complete team in the Pac-12. I mean, their defensive line is one of the best in the country. Now they're going against one of the top offensive lines in the country. To me, that's one of the big matchups of the year. But Utah's got a great secondary. Utah's got the run game with Zach Moss. And while Justin Herbert gets all the praise, because he will be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft, Tyler Huntley is among the pass efficiency leaders in the country, yes. and does a great job. I mean, he's got eighteen or sixteen touchdown passes, just two interceptions. So they really are a complete team. I think Utah is playing such good football right now. They've had one close game the last eight games, pretty much blown everybody out. Uh, I like Utah to win that by more than a six and a half, provided the weather doesn't impact that game.
2: You know, I, I agree with you. And if, if if the country hasn't been paying attention, that you know Tyler Huntley doesn't throw the ball a ton because of the way they play but man he completes almost every pass they're they're so efficient i actually think that if it isn't and weather, it benefits utah because they throw less uh the way they play up front i know oregon's good but anyway it'll be interesting to see i hate it when weather ruins a game but let's move on phil let's go uh i'm gonna skip a couple and i know steven likes the uh, the lower tier ones not that there's any such thing but i'm gonna go to baylor oklahoma we know that Baylor the last time they played jumped on Oklahoma early, but Oklahoma fought back and won that game. Um, what do you think? I, I mean, Baylor's another team that I have to be like, man, I, I kept picking against him earlier in the year, but my, I'm sold. I think that's a really, really good team. And I'm looking forward to this game.
3: Yeah. I'm probably off two of their best games of the year, beating Texas by 14. And then uh, just clubbing Kansas in a potential look ahead situation. And that wasn't even a, a game. Now, Oklahoma's got a couple of advantages here. I do like the fact that Baylor outplayed them in the first half uh, of their first meeting, had a 31 to 10 lead, outgained them, out first down them, really outplayed them. But remember, Oklahoma did not have C.D. Lamb for that game. And then yeah. the other advantage Oklahoma has—they've been here, done that. They've—they've they've been in the Big 12 title game each of the last two years. Last year they beat Texas by 12. The previous year to that they beat TCU by 24. So it's, it is a pretty good Oklahoma team, and they're actually they actually actually a better defense the last couple of weeks. You go over the last three weeks, they're allowing a little less than 300 yards per game. Now, granted, uh, Oklahoma State had a backup quarterback, but uh, it, when I look at this matchup, I, I do think Oklahoma wins it. But I think Baylor will give them a game. So it's one where I think the, the Vegas uh, odds maker has this one priced perfectly around 9 or 10.
4: Uh, Wayne, I can't believe you would just gloss over the MAC championship. We've got Phil. I wanted Steele. you to do it. Nobody handicaps the MAC like Phil Steele. <laughs> I know. They're playing for the chip in Detroit, <laughs> Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan. Chippewas favored by six and a half. Phil, talk to me. Educate Wayne on this one.
3: Well, you know, uh, uh, Stephen, that I've been picking Miami all year, and I, I had Miami last week, and I'm watching the game, and they were up 27-14 at the half. And while I think most folks felt good at that spot, I did not. Because in the first half, Miami was losing an offensive lineman out with injury, offensive lineman out with injury, wide receiver went down, linebacker goes down, defensive lineman goes down. I'm like, oh, my God, Chuck Martin's going to pull his players in the second half. And even as quarterback, on the second last play of the first half, Brett Gabbert gets injured. So he comes, sits out the second half. They got the second-string offensive line in the second half, and they got annihilated in the second half, 24-0 by Ball State. It was Ball State starters against their backups, and they lost that game. But I think Miami comes into this game with no momentum. I mean, they they played poorly against Akron, poorly against Ball State, and when you look at the two teams' defenses, they're close. Central allows 347 yards per game in MAC play, Miami 353. So let's call the defenses even. Well, if that's the case, Central Michigan has a large edge. You look at the quarterback. They've got Tennessee transfer Quinton Dormady. Dormady's hitting 67% with a 13-5 ratio. They're going to have 2,000-yard backs this year. Jonathan Ward already has 1,000. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Kobe Lewis is 47 yards away. He'll probably top a 1,000 in this game. They've got a Virginia Tech transfer, a wide receiver, and Khalil Pimpleton has got 771 yards. Central's averaging 515 yards per game on offense. Miami in the in Mac just 347 so large edge on offense the game's in Detroit so central will have the crowd edge as well. I'm laying the lumber here I'm taking central minus the points wow. over a Miami team that sort of stumbles into the Mac championship game
4: love it love it love see it. St-
2: Stephen I let you pick the Mac because I, I I knew that was kind of in your wheelhouse so I'm just I'm trying to steer it and I'm a little a bit of a power. what's that?
3: I said, Wayne's a heck of a guy, Steven. Yeah, I
4: appreciate that. I mean, Wayne, that's 9 a.m. your time, man. You wake up, you get right with the Mac. Come on, man. Let's go.
2: Dude, you don't even understand. My weekend is I wake up at 6, and I watch College Game Day, and then I just roll right through the early games. And if UCLA doesn't play till later, I get to at least watch the morning games. But this week I don't have to do anything. I just get to watch football. So um, let's go over to the uh, – let's just do it. Let's just. I'm going to skip a couple more, Steven, because I know you want to come back to them. I'm also intrigued by the SEC championship game. We know that Joe Burrow, LSU, that offense has been ridiculous. Can Georgia conjure up enough offense and play enough defense to make this a battle, or do you think, uh, you know, SC uh, will take this one by a couple touchdowns?
3: Yeah, I think Georgia has the defense to make it a battle. They've got the best defense in the SEC, giving up just 265 yards per game. They're tough on the ground, giving up 2.8 yards per carry. Don't give up a lot through the air. They've got a very good defense, but I am concerned about their wide receiver situation. With Lawrence Cager out, with George Pickens missing the first half, they're sort of depleted at wide receiver, and they weren't deep coming into the season at wide receiver. Their top guy heading in this game is Blay- uh, Blaylock, and he's got 299 yards this year. LSU's secondary loaded with at least three guys. It'll probably be first-round draft picks at DB. So I think they could play man-on-man bring the extra guy in the box to take away DeAndre Swift, who might be banged up for this one. And I think they really slow down and stop this Georgia offense. Georgia hasn't topped 27 points per game in an SEC game since October the 5th. Meanwhile, offensively, nobody's really been able to stop LSU all year. Even the Auburn game, when they scored 23 points, they had 508 yards, 31st downs in that game. So I like LSU's offense. I like them to roll, and uh, the good thing is they—they they realize they—they they probably realize they could lose this game and still make the playoff. That's not their thing. They want the SEC title. I do like LSU to win this one by a couple of touchdowns.
4: Phil, why was the line so short? I mean, this thing opened at like LSU minus like what five, five and a half, something like that. Why did it open so so short?
3: You know, my computer power ratings, and I, my computer power ratings probably mirror that of the Vegas power ratings. They had Georgia uh, four to six point dogs, so they actually bumped it up probably from where the ratings were. Georgia has a very good defense and been doing enough on offense. You remember, they they let Auburn twenty one to nothing a few weeks ago, so I, I think it's based on the computer power ratings. The fact that you look at LSU's defense, they gave up four hundred two yards rushing to Ole Miss uh, with Luke's Ole Miss team. Uh, they gave up five hundred forty one yards to Alabama. Now they played better defense last week but it's one of those defensive things. So I think I I understand where why the line is where it's at. All
2: right, well let's keep going. Uh you know, I it's funny uh Phil, I love listening to Dabble every time he's on the radio, every time he's on TV. <laughs> I, it's just he's he's a crack up, he's witty. He he knows how good his team has been this year. They've been so good that they've been haven't had to be talked talked about a lot cuz they're just such huge favorites. Uh But what's happening, and and again, I know the line's huge. I know everybody expects Clemson to roll, but trust me, I know Dabo's got his team ready. Can Virginia find any way to to put up a fight in this game, or is this going to be a blowout?
3: Uh, I'm looking for the blowout variety in this one, and it's it's surprising because generally if you give me Bronco Mendenhall as an underdog, I'm taking it. But Virginia's secondary's been banged up, and you go back over the last four games, they're giving up about 300 yards per game through the air. That's not good when you go against Trevor Lawrence, who, oh, boy, did this guy get maligned all year long. Trevor Lawrence this Trevor Lawrence he's not a good quarterback. 16-0 ratio to the last five games. They've got one of the top offensive lines in the country. They've got Travis Etienne at running back. They've got one of the best receiving cores in the country. And defensively, they are number one in holding opponents below their season average, just 178 yards below their season average, whatever they come in. And coming in, Virginia's only averaging 385 in ACC play. So if you take 180 out of that, they are only get about 200 yards for this game. Offensively, the key to stopping Virginia is stop Bryce Perkins. And I think Clemson's got the defense that can take away Bryce Perkins. And if you do that, Virginia's in a lot of trouble offensively. So I think Clemson moves the ball offensively. They've been to two straight ACC games and one of both, big. They beat Pitt last year, forty-two to ten, which is thirty-two point victory. And the previous one to that, they played Miami of Florida and beat them thirty-eight to three, another thirty-five point victory. So I like Clemson to win this one comfortably.
4: Yep. Uh, we go from the ACC to the AAC. Memphis and Cincinnati, kind of a weird way to end the season, right, Phil? Because we got this game last week. It was at the Liberty Bowl. We're getting it again this week at the Liberty Bowl. For the championship, Memphis, a ten-point favorite against Luke Fickle's Bearcats, you think they can hang around against that potent Tiger offense?
3: Well, you know, last week I liked Memphis, and they were minus twelve. They jumped out to a seventeen to three lead, and I'm thinking, wow, Memphis is really going to roll since he since he was starting a backup quarterback uh, in Ben Bryant, and then since the- he hung around, and as you mentioned. Only lost by 10, and that was with Memphis getting a touchdown to make it 10 at the end. So I thought since he played one of its better games uh, on the season, since he had been outgained in six of their previous seven games, they did get slightly outgained in that one by Memphis by uh, 25 yards, but that wasn't as big as I thought it would be. But I do like what Memphis has. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell is one of the more underrated running back slash receivers in the country. Uh, They got back Patrick Taylor a couple weeks ago. Brady White. Didn't have a great game last week, 233 yards. I think he has a better game here. He's got Coxie to throw to, uh, Gibson to throw to, so there's plenty of talent offensively, and Memphis's defense is playing well. Cincinnati's still giving up 449 yards on the road, and that's got to be tough to travel to Memphis, back home, back to Memphis again. And now the spread's actually under 10, about 9, 9.5. I'm going to take Memphis in that one.
2: All right, Phil, Ohio State, uh, watching that game early in the morning last week, I just was, I thought that Justin Fields, I mean, if there's such a thing as a Heisman moment, you know, he's hurt. You watch the injury on TV and it's like, oh my gosh, I hope he didn't just blow out his ACL. You know, I, I hope he comes back. He comes back in and just throws one of the best passes of the year. Just an absolute laser. Wisconsin on the other hand is coming off a pretty nice win as well. So now we've got Wisconsin, Ohio state. And I mean, I know Ohio state is right up there on that list with, you know, with Clemson and, and with LSU It's just teams that are just on fire. Uh, can Wisconsin put up a fight though? It's something about the, the the big 10 that I just expect these tough cold games late in the year where this is just going to be a battle or is Ohio state just that much more talented?
3: Yeah. And luckily this one's indoors. So we don't have to worry about the weather <laughs> in that one. And, uh, but when you look at Wisconsin, uh, go back to the first meeting. The game's in Columbus. A lot of stuff coming in. Jonathan Taylor didn't have a great game. It's two games against Ohio State. Neither time did he top 70 yards rushing. Uh, but the first nine possessions of the game were punts. Uh, it was nothing, nothing. Then Ohio State scored twice late in the first half to make it 10 nothing. Wisconsin blocked a punt. It's 10-7 in the third quarter. Then Ohio State scored on four consecutive possessions. The last two, by the way, were both set up by fumbles. So I do think Wisconsin has the defense that can keep them in this game, but I am still concerned about their offense. They only had nine first downs in the first meeting, 191 total yards. I know they moved the ball in Minnesota last week, but Minnesota does not have Ohio State's defense. And frankly, Ohio State impressed me last week. I thought the Michigan game would be close. Michigan did have some blown opportunities there. Michigan did have 396 yards, but Ohio State, At the end, it wasn't close at the very end, and that's when it matters. So I can't go against Ohio State in a matchup like this. I think the Buckeyes, even though they can afford to lose this game and still make the playoff, Ryan Day has not let this team let up in the first, the second, the third, or the fourth quarter in any game all year. He's my coach of the year this year to do what he did with Ohio State. I like Ohio State in this one.
4: Wayne, I can't believe you would just gloss over the uh, Mountain West championship game like that. (laughs) Hawaii on the mainland going up to Boise. (laughs) Phil, I don't know what the weather is going to do. I'm sure you do because that's why we bring you on. You just know more about all this stuff than we do. But this game intrigues me. I've enjoyed watching Hawaii play the last couple of years. They've got a fun team, Cole McDonald and the Dreads. Love it. I'm here for it. I don't know who's going to play quarterback for Boise State, but they're favored by two touchdowns. What do you make of Hawaii and Boise on Saturday?
3: Jalen Henderson's going to play quarterback for Boise State, at least start the game. Bachmeyer's still available, but Henderson's been doing well. He's brought some mobility to the offense. He's thrown the football well, and he's been awarded the starting spot this week. And Hawaii just played that game against Army last week. It was 82 degrees and sunny. Now we're going to be in the upper 30s. Perhaps it might get into the lower 40s for this one. And there will be some precipitation. So it's Boise State weather. And if you go back to their first meeting that they had, uh, which was back on October the 12th, uh, I thought it might have been a good game. And then all of a sudden, Boise's up 45-14 to 14 in the third quarter and ended up winning that one. And Bachmeyer even got injured in the second quarter of that game. So they actually played Robert Mahone. They played Haloney. They played Cord. They had four different quarterbacks. At least now they're stable at the quarterback position. I will say this. Hawaii surprised me when they beat San Diego State. They surprised me last week when they beat Army. Uh, so they're playing very good, and Rolovich doesn't look past anybody. I mean, they don't they don't fear anybody. Let me put it that way with Nick Rolovich. So I think they'll give Boise a game, but i got to go with Boise at home, especially with the weather and uh, the fact that it completely benefits Boise.
4: That's good stuff. Uh, Phil, I'm going to let you go on this one, and I'm going to try to throw you a curveball, but I know that I can't throw you a curveball because you're Phil Steele and you're just a college football guru. FCS playoffs, right? North Dakota State, James Madison University collision course, right? We should just go ahead and pencil them in for the final?
3: Yeah, absolutely. They've been the two best teams in college football all year. I think when you look at North Dakota State, uh, they've actually been playing – Better down the stretch, early in the year. My power ratings actually had James Madison rated ahead of them. I would say, five of the first six weeks of the year. Right now, North Dakota State's playing great. But, yeah, I'll tell you, when I was talking to uh, East Carolina's coach this year, who was the James Madison head coach last year, and we touched briefly on James Madison at that time, and he pretty much said James Madison was going to have one of the best defenses in the FCS this year. And you know what? They have not disappointed. Last week against Rhode Island, 202 yards, giving up just 277 on the season. So I think they've got perhaps the best defense in the FCS. I think it's going to be a great game if those two get together. And uh, there's still 1-2 in my FCS power ratings.
4: Phil, if that happens, you are, you are invited to Frisco, Texas to hang out with me for the weekend. All expenses paid. My dime, okay?
3: <laughs> sounds, sounds like fun. There you all go. right.
4: There you go. You ahead and pencil it in because Phil Steele <laughs> said it would happen. Phil, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy, enjoy championship weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, bud?
3: I certainly will. And uh, as always, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. We
4: shall. Thank we shall. you, Phil. Phil Steele, at Phil PhilSteele042 on Twitter. Uh, just made all my college buddies uh happy. I'm a JMU alum, Wayne. I don't know if you knew that about me. Uh, that, James yeah, Madison that, that, football, baby.
2: What JMU? What does that stand for? James where, where Madison University.
4: One of the great patriots, one of the great Americans in history. James I don't Madison's need to tell the you father of he's
2: the father of the Constitution. Well, your 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 name your school's named after someone with the nickname Little Jimmy. Well, I mean, we'll take it. He's like five foot five. Whatever. He was a
1: great president, man. Yeah. He, he,
2: you know what? He was a hero. He was a sickly young. He was a sickly man, but he was a hero in the War of eighteen twelve, and he ended up being a pretty darn good president. And uh, Constitution is not all bad.
1: His wife was a hero too, didn't she? Dolly. She she rescued the uh, the yeah, all, the, the that painting that of George of Washington. Of
2: Washington. Yeah. yeah. she did, and other historical documents mm-hmm. as well. Alleged. She risked her life as the as the redcoats were, were were approaching the White House. Very brave woman
4: yeah well there you go jmu dukes watch out bison watch out are coming for you that's all i'm saying watch out
2: hey steven are you gonna are you gonna do something right now with go, go ahead and finish i have something to say though
4: but do you need a bathroom break do you want me to go to commercial
2: no dude i'm I'm ready man i'm on it i'm, I'm things are rolling what would you what would you like to say well here's the deal so so i i kind of allow you and 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 uh and Phil to to bombard me with your reasoning for your four-team playoff. And even, even if I, I brought up the valid point of leaving out a Power 5 conference with one loss, and you notice also that Phil was good with either one of the top three teams losing their conference champion and still getting in. Again, it just sounds odd that you don't have to win your championship to get into the playoff. It just feels like that should be the first round. And it makes no – you guys keep acting like going to an eight-team playoff is somehow comparable to a 64-team basketball tournament. And it's not even close. We have 130 teams that play college football, and if eight get in, that is not an everyone-gets-a-trophy scenario. Those are really, really good teams that have fought hard all year. And if you do end up in the scenario with multiple one-loss teams and you're choosing – Based on whatever criteria it is, eye tests, you know, whatever their offensive and defensive efficiency stats are, whatever criteria you come up with, you're defeating the purpose of actually playing games This should be decided on the field, on the field. So winning your conference championship should matter. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just funny because in that scenario, whether it's Oklahoma or Utah, you know, do they do the 13 team, uh, man man and woman committee like flip a coin at some point because they're you know you could argue for both of them've I've heard it I've seen it and if it comes down to that you're you're just picking a team based on you know I just think they look better or I think they would do better not based on wins and losses well, Wayne so, I'll,
4: I'll play along with you just briefly just momentarily uh, yes. couldn't I make the argument? That a game like Penn State, Ohio State, a couple of weeks ago, is an elimination game of sorts. Like, couldn't I make the argument that these regular season games involving, you know, one loss teams or undefeated teams, like LSU, Alabama, a couple of weeks ago, couldn't? Couldn't I make the case that that is a playoff game of sorts? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because you're saying the whole season is a playoff. Yeah, but and if you've argued about games, this, but, like if you've but, got two L's in the column in November. Enjoy the cheese it bowl.
2: Like it, you're
4: you're going to go somewhere, but there's but it ain't a, the Final Four.
2: But there's a reason why, like like some of these these the strength of schedule thing. And Phil did point that out, and I agree with him. It should matter. And when you look at some of these schools, I mean, and again, you know, the fact that people were still arguing for Alabama until they lost, um, even if they didn't win a conference championship with with one loss and their schedule, it, it's like well, their schedule is weak. You know, you know, people have said Utah's schedule is weak. There's a lot of teams now because obviously when Oregon, if Oregon was still in this, by playing Auburn, that actually hurt them, um, you know, because they lost. Uh, but if they beat somebody else in that situation, I think they would have still been in if they would have stayed undefeated. So, it, again, I, I just, why even have championships games then? You know, Phil was talking about, like, why play an extra game because you risk people getting hurt well, we didn't have championship games when I was younger. Just play, play. You know, and our conferences have gotten too big, too, by the way, because you don't even play everybody. You know, we talked about this before. Alabama doesn't play Florida, and they don't play Georgia, who are at the top of their other division every year. Well, some of the schools do play those schools. It's, it's not apples to apples. It's it's not even close to the same. And, and when you're breaking down all of these teams, whether it's Baylor, Georgia, Oklahoma, or Utah, you, how do you compare them? They, they just play such different schedules that, and they play in different conferences. And we all like to think we know which conference is better. But again, it's it's just almost impossible to figure it out. So if, if you go to conference champions, it is what it is. And yes, that means if Virginia beats Clemson, and I know this is your nightmare, that they get into the playoff. And I know that, that everybody out there is going, well, why would that? Well, if Clemson's that good and Virginia beats them, then they earned it.
4: So... A lot of what you said about unbalanced non-conference scheduling and and it not being equal across the board. Well,
2: conference games. Sure, but that's... Some play eight. The ACC and the SEC play eight every year. Guess which two conferences have always had a representative in the playoff?
4: Yeah, the teams that have eight game conference schedules, the ACC and the SEC. So here's the thing. All of that imbalance is one of the reasons that I, and I'm only speaking for me here, but that's one of the reasons that I am attracted to college football. Like, the NFL has their model, okay? You had a terrible record. You get to pick first in the NFL draft. And, oh, by the way, your schedule next year is going to reflect that you were terrible last year because we're going to make you play other teams that were terrible last year. For for me, like, I like college football. You run the wishbone. You run the air raid. You run the spread. You run the pro style. It's all over the map. You've got blue turf. You've got red turf. You've got grass. Like, it's, it's just, for me... It's just it that that's why I like Saturday football. That like the reasons that you're throwing out there about how things are different. For example, Baylor's non conference schedule this year. It's embarrassing. Okay. It's embarrassing. Stephen F. Austin, the roadrunners of Texas, San Antonio, and Rice. That was Baylor's non conference schedule. You can do it that way, or you can do it the UCLA way, where you book Cincinnati. San Diego State and Oklahoma, all right. three teams of which, and you're going to have to fact check me on the Aztecs.
2: They've lost a couple now. But
4: okay, but they they were flirting with a double-digit win they season. Were, yeah. Okay, Cincinnati's sitting there with 10 wins. Oklahoma's yeah. sitting there with 11 wins. Right. Like, you can book your non-conference schedule however you would like, um, but be prepared to deal with possibly going 0-3 in that non-conference schedule or, in the case of Baylor, going 3-0 but have it come back to bite you if you're going to be compared against a bunch of other 12-1 and teams at the end of the year. So for me, again, like I think pie in the sky, like if, if I could fix college football, I would have a schedule czar. I would have a guy or gal who oversees scheduling. Right. Right, like right, right, right. it will be equal. You want to play an FCS team? Because it's written in the bylaws in your state, like Clemson, for example. Right, Server? Clemson has to play an FCS team. Yeah, it's a rotator. Like Wofford or Coastal Carolina or somebody every year. It's just
1: a smaller in-state school. Like,
4: it's written in the law. Like, they have to do it. There's no way around it. And by the way, I just pooped on Coastal Carolina. They are an FBS team. Yeah, they're in the fun belt. But still, uh, Furman is the other one that they play traditionally. South Carolina State as well. But, like, you Citadel. only get one of those. Or maybe you only get one every other year. H- however it needs to break out. Like, I would love to see some somebody overseeing schedules, Wayne. Because you're right. Well, it's different in the Pac-12
2: and the ACC and the SEC and the number of conference games and all that stuff. Well, minimum of five road games, too. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're not talking about the SEC. A lot of the schools, like Alabama typically, plays four.
4: But see, if I if I was advising, you know, Larry Scott at the Pac-12 or if I was advising, it's not Jim Delaney anymore because he's on his way out at the Big Ten. But the new commissioner in the Big Ten, I would say, guys, scale it back to eight. You know, I understand why the Big 12 does it, because there's there's 10 teams. It's perfect. It's symmetrical. You get everybody. Right. But man,
2: for me, here's the pros do not outweigh the cons. Here's what here's what here's what bugs me. Um, when, when I played, we played at Tennessee. We played at Nebraska. We played at Michigan. We played. I mean, you play. And, and since I've been broadcasting, we played at Notre Dame. We played at. Uh, we played at Texas. We played. we were in the future. We're going to play at LSU. Yes, and but Georgia. your program is the anomaly. So, no, 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 yours no, but, is but, but, the no, outlier. For, but, but here's the deal, though. When you're a college kid and you're growing up and, and you thought, you know, my freshman year, we played one of my, one of the first I think the first game of the season. We played at, um We played at Michigan. OK. And I didn't get to go. I didn't make the travel team. Now, I made the, the Tennessee game, which, by the way, we played both of those schools, uh, you know, in the same year. Um, y- you get to travel and play in those environments. Don't you think kids want that?
4: No. I think, you're romantic- I think you're romanticizing that. You're, you're, kids, no, Bullcrap, kids would rather ta- have like matte no, helmets. Yeah. You're crazy. Kids would you're, rather you're, have alternate you,
2: uniforms they, these yeah, days. Yeah,
1: Cle- Clemson kids don't care about going to Chapel Hill.
2: Listen, not Chapel Hill, but if you could play at a at a historically great stadium and mm-hmm. an historic program and go on the road and have a chance to beat somebody on the road again, I. I Listen, the year that I played in the Rose Bowl, we won 5. We were undefeated on the road. We never lost on the road. That's an accomplishment. In, in, in the world that we that we live in, when so I mean, we all know because we pick games every week that home field matters a lot. It it makes a difference. These big time matchups where you have to go on the road and play, you may slip up and lose a game. That doesn't mean that you still don't have a chance of being the best team in the country. We've gone away with everybody trying to create these schedules where we're going to win every single game. But there is I – I think you guys are wrong. I no. think there are college athletes that, yeah, going to any stadium and playing, blah, blah, but going to Notre Dame, you don't think kids grow up thinking that would be cool to play in that stadium? I think athletic directors
4: and TV executives and fans think like that. I don't think – Eighteen-year-old student athlete cares well, how many an top you can, 50 stadiums one of you an they can, st- they can check off of their crazy. punch list. Yeah, I don't. Now think You guys that. are
2: absolutely. That's then, then. I, wow. Then I don't. I don't like modern day athletes. If you don't want to go play in, in a like seriously, like if you were going to be a pro basketball player and you get a chance to play at the Boston Garden and just experience that, that that's got to be something you dream about. If you get to hit a home run at 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 Fenway Park. Or if you get to go and play, you know, in Chicago, you you, you gotta you can't think that kids don't dream I, I, about this. I
1: think that the adult version, the grown professional athlete version, perhaps yes, but most generally the eighteen-year-old kid, nineteen-year-old kid, <laughs>
2: they they, I don't care, man. Where are you guys basing this information on? Like, like what what part of your back? Like, you honestly don't think that when an eighteen year old's recruited, and they're thinking all they want to do is play home games, they don't want to get on a plane, they don't want to travel, they don't want to play at great venues, they don't want to play in big time matchups, they don't want—they just want to win games against cupcakes. You and, think they that's what wear, of? and they want to wear
4: And they want to wear. I mean, everybody pants. wants a ring, but
2: I don't. I, I, I totally I don't
4: look. I, don't I will ask agree. Michael Felder who who has played in the who has played Division One football more recently than. Than you have, and I certainly have never sniffed a Division One anything. But I'm just saying, Wayne. Like I think playing are... in Lincoln
2: was fun, even though we lost. It was it was a a great environment. I'm not playing at the Coliseum and against USC. Unbelievable environment. Playing at Washington in a big game when that place rocking. It if you I, I worry about athletes if they don't want to do this. I'm like, why would you not want to do that? That's like an incredible experience to be able to go play in some of these stadiums and it blows me away that you don't think that athletes want
4: that i think some do but i think the majority of them I mean, want to ball out make money and provide a better life for themselves you and their guys families. are
2: living in this elitist world where every single one of these athletes i know this is you the 14 playoff that only the ohio state only the the these guys that come out of there are guaranteed of being first round draft choice you know how many other college football players there are out there yeah, the majority of them are never the going to see Notre or-
4: Dame Stadium. They're never going to see the Rose Bowl. So I don't think it's something that they stay up at night dreaming about. No, I don't. I think okay. it's about, right. hey, how do I put out some good tape? How do I make it to the Combine? How do I try to find a way?
2: I don't want to play in the British Open because it's all the way on the other side. It's in a different continent. No, it's like, apples and oranges. It's not that big of a deal. Why? Apples and oranges. You think it's apples and oranges to play, to be able to play – at Oklahoma, I've been to games at Oklahoma. I've been to games at Alabama with UCLA. I've been there. I've been on the sidelines. I've watched these games. The players are fired up for these things, man. I've been at Texas A&M. I've been at Kyle Field and watched the, It it is so much freaking fun that you two are nuts right now. I'm not. I don't want to play in those games. You know what? I would rather awesome. just play eight home games, I, and I, I don't want to. I just don't want to go a,
1: on the road. I don't think it's a deciding factor for them.
2: Well, I didn't say it was a deciding factor. I just said it was fun, and I, I like these big-time non-conference matchups. But anyway, hey, you guys, we're not going to agree on this, but I, 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 will, I will tell you, I'm going to go back to one more thing. I know that, Steven, I know you think that the four-game playoff kind of makes every game matter, but think about all the teams that are eliminated early and that if conference championships mattered and a lot of these conferences, I mean, USC still had a chance at the playoff in my system, and I know you hate this late in the year because if utah would have slipped up and lost and usc would have got a chance to play oregon they could win they, they could have won that game and their consolation prize and this is a team that you know could lose some games i just think more fan bases and more teams are involved until the end as opposed to us just sitting back and and, and and there's five or six teams still in it i think it'd be more fun for a lot more fans if there were more teams still involved and i think it would add pressure going back to what phil said again He thinks that LSU, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. How fun is it to go into a championship game, and yes, we call them championship games, if it doesn't matter if you win or lose? what's the the Championship games are supposed to be filled with pressure. You're supposed to be so nervous and so intense and so crazy that it is a win-at-all-cost proposition. We're acting like three of these championship games, it doesn't matter because Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU are going to get in anyway. What's the point of having them then? It just kind of defeats the purpose of it. So, here's
4: the thing: those three teams that you mentioned mm-hmm. are actually, in fact, that much better not than everybody else game, in their conference. So, so it's not their so fault were the that New the New England rest of the Patriots when they can't hold in the, a candle to them.
2: So were the New England Patriots when they played in the Super Bowl and they had not lost? They lost that game.
4: I mean, I I, mean, I don't want I mean, to oranges, keep saying apples to oranges, but I mean, it's it's, it's it not. is different. It's a
2: championship game. What's the definition of a championship game? What happens when you lose a championship game? You get to advance to the next round? In what sport does that happen?
4: Mm. Look, here's the thing. You put out six or eight teams in a playoff model.
2: It ruins the game because it's just too many teams in. It's like no,
4: basketball. no, look. I'm, Why don't I'm, we invite the whole country? You're going to let me finish?
2: No, because I'm mad right
4: now. You put I'm in two mad. or four more teams into this playoff model. You've got two or three or four more blowouts on your hands. I'm just telling you, man. Like, it's going to happen. Like the, Wayne, like the look, national
2: championship and, game last year? It,
4: yeah, that got out of hand. It was, it's going to happen. Do Super the, Bowls the, ever,
2: does that ever happen at Super Bowls too?
4: The contract is up, man. It's going to expand. And when you and I get to talk about this <laughs> in 2026 <laughs> and you're waving the Memphis flag because you think that they're going to be able to hang with Clemson. I am going to be like, all right, Wayne, this is what see, you wanted. Here it comes. See, you the know what's so funny? Is 24 points. It's an on-campus game. It's going to get out of hand.
2: We haven't talked about this in a long time, but the non, and I, and again, I know that this is the the, the the actual difference between, you know, the the power five and the, you know, whatever, group of five. Um, maybe there's some teams that have closed the gap, but I have a problem with the schedules there too. I've always kind of been a power five guy when it comes to getting into the playoff because if you play in one of the power five conferences, you are, for the most part, at least your in-conference games are are going to be tougher than most of the you know group of five schools so so to me i mean i i'm not going to be waving the memphis flag because i don't i don't think that's the same i, I just think that the, the, i'm a i'm a person that believes that the grind of people like what lsu has done this year to me has been incredible because i actually respect their strength of schedule but when you look at teams like usc for example that has four losses their strength of schedule is pretty darn good so there are other teams out there that maybe have one loss, like Memphis, for example. That maybe if USC played that exact same schedule, would have an equivalent record. I've said that quite often. Like it's possible that some of these teams out there that with two or three or even four losses, if they played somebody else's schedule, would be sitting there with with one losses, or even in some cases might be undefeated. So and it's it's this whole it's it's just crazy, and we could talk about this forever, and we're not going to. <laughs> Uh, we're
4: not doing Pick'Em this week because you beat me. Because you lost, I did. Uh, I I will <laughs> acknowledge publicly for the world to hear that Wayne Cook beat me in uh, in the season long Pick'Em race. What was
2: the, what was the final? Did I, I beat you by a couple, then, like yeah, two or three.
4: Yeah, you, uh, you, like you edged me. You you, like you edged me over the course of a season. You beat me by like three. You games. had a rough
2: week. Thank you. Did you win like three games?
4: No, I didn't win three games. I it was lost like three, three and seven. Games. I lost three games.
2: Yeah, but that's the ones we picked, but we lost some other ones where we agreed. We disagreed on four games, and I, I won uh, three of those four.
4: Yeah, we, we again, like we don't need to get into the minutiae. I'm willing to acknowledge three and that you seven weeks? No, that's not possible. I did not go three was, and seven close last to that. week. That's not possible. That, that's, can we run? Can we, what, what was the... <laughs> that's fake news. I don't have it in front of me. I looked at the sheet. It I was saw not that a good Wayne week, beat me, and I was like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
1: I counted on you to write this
4: down and have it ready. So I, I was, I was that. six
2: and four, and I put Steven down at three and seven. I keep close notes. So I didn't have a great week either. There's, we, we no lost way some of the way games I went we
4: three, three and seven last week, Wayne. You, I'm about to get and up seven. and go walk into my office. Are you I being think serious? You went three and seven. Yeah. All right. I, mm, <laughs> that's not right. We're paused. <laughs>
2: oh this is my favorite moment did he
1: get up and go he's gone man (laughs) the office is on the other side of the building so this is server server this is i have the games written down right here he's confident that he didn't go three and seven i believe he did i think he's i think he was three and i mean it may have been the worst week in the history of college sports now he was making reckless picks left
2: and right he he was trying to yeah it was bad he was trying to come back right yeah he had michigan oh god he had Michigan. We both lost. We both lost the Alabama Auburn game. We both lost the Louisville Kentucky game. Which, by the way, wow. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? What happened there? It, we both lost the uh, Wisconsin Minnesota game. So the three of the games I lost, he also lost, and then I won three of the four oh of the games boy. we disagreed on. So that's at least six losses right there. Oh man. And we both lost Virginia Tech Virginia. He pulled. No, we the- disagreed on that one. Never mind. Uh, which one did we – I he might have won four games, but I thought it was three and seven. Man, you want to No, because he, he lost – he lost the – I don't know. He's still yeah, not he back, see it.
1: which means he's walking back slowly. Yeah, because – And it, the reason if, he's walking back slowly is because it's a walk of shame.
2: Yeah. Four and sixes, I think, is what he's going to say. He, he might not come back. Yeah. <laughs> It was a this slow is taking walk. a long time. Where is that office? Holy cow. Here he comes. Here he comes. All right. Because well, it's just it's embarrassing. He's got to put, put the headphones on.
4: Let's let's run through this now. Have you guys been talking while I've been gone. Yeah, we've been talking. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Hang on. I need to take a sip of water. <laughs> He's de- de- <laughs> delaying the inevitable. <laughs> mm. Was it three I, or four? I might have been What'd wrong. It might get?
2: have been three and seven. It might have been four and six. Well, that's a big difference. No, it's not. I counted
4: it up. I went four and six last oh, week. God.
2: Oh, jeez!
4: You bailed it, man.
2: You had a lead going into the end. I did so not
4: rough. have a lead. Wayne had a lead. That's why I had to risk
2: it and take some chances. Oh, you didn't it's have a really lead. It's gotcha. really one of the one of the worst weeks I think in the history of college sports. Now, yeah, it could be. You picked Michigan, man, and a in, in a big weekend. I mean, this was rivalry weekend. I mean, it was there some big games. However, I
4: did yeah. not go three and seven. Wayne I mean, is 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 just. He's dragging my name through the mud on a national show saying I went three it and seven felt, I mean I did not go like, three and seven
1: yeah, it
2: felt like three and seven it was that bad Har- Hartzell, I it, just want
1: you to say out loud I went four and
4: six I went four and six. Oh, <laughs>
2: Where what did you go Wayne six and four yeah, but great when you're when you're, congrats. when you're holding on to a lead yeah but what happened with the Kentucky Louisville game I mean uh, wow
4: Lynn Bowden yeah, that guy's a one-man wrecking just crew. A man, Kentucky runs the same play on offense. It's amazing. They haven't had a quarterback since like week five. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're just eking out wins there in Lexington. That got out of hand. I picked Army over Hawaii. That was a you poor did. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both picked Bama in the
2: Iron Bowl. We bit, We did, and yeah, that was a good game. That was a good game. Alabama made too many mistakes, but it is what it is. That was a good. I mean, listen. I mean, Alabama's still a really good team.
4: Yeah, but, but they're not gonna have, up to their standards. They're going to have half of their roster skip this. I don't want to say meaningless bowl game, but wherever they end up going, <laughs> <we> go again. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, you're going to have it, it's going to be. This is the first time Alabama's not in the playoff since its inception. So okay? they should
2: just they should just forfeit the game. That's and not, not what I'm anybody. saying. You're
4: not you're not hearing what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it will be very interesting to see how many Alabama players decide to play in a bowl game that, for the first time in half a decade. Has zero meaning on what's happening next for them because either me, it's me, me, a man. semifinal. Me, me,
2: me. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to worry about me.
4: Uh, I, Wayne, I, you, playing,
2: you can. They're you still going to go to a good ball game. You want.
4: That's college football in 2019, bro. There's
2: still, yeah, but that's a problem. You know, we, we talk about this quite a bit that, that the society and the direction it's going. Um, I still think and I still believe in my heart of hearts that there are people out there that believe in this team first thing, that believe that we're going to battle with our brothers, that we'll do anything for them. And I do believe that the few people that put themselves first are an exception, not the rule. That's, I, I that's truly believe That's totally
4: that. valid, but there's also a significant portion of the elite players in college football, who are saying, "You know so, what? I've been playing football my whole life. I'm four quarters. I'm 60 minutes away from finally getting a chance to cash
2: in." I keep going. I keep going back to this then, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to, because we're going to get into this argument as we move forward and put the bowl game season. I'm sure there's going to be a couple. But how can that you say, not even acknowledge that that's it. a valid I can't, thought? I can't because it doesn't, it doesn't fit into my brain in the way I think I just could never imagine looking at my teammates and be like, you know what, man? So guy from I'm a low income, no, no, no. Just- Hang
4: on a second, Wayne guy from a low income family. Who's been playing football since he was eight. <sighs> He's one game away from going pro yeah. training for a combine, getting a chance to cash yeah. in and make seven yeah. or eight figures as a professional football player. You have no understanding in the world why he'd want to sit out the belt bowl.
2: I no, I get what you're saying. But again, I'm speaking from an athlete's mindset, and I know that there are people out there that think that way, and I get it. I'm not going to condemn people like that. But there are way more people that are like, I'm playing. I, I, they, they, some of these guys are going to go play in, in all-star games. They can get hurt in those. How many of these guys go and sign up for to, to play in, the, in any of the senior bowl, any of the all-star games? Guys do who that. need it. How guys many, how many high school it. players, how many of these same high school players, like remember, I blew my knee out in a high school All-Star game. And to be quite honest with you, I was never as mobile as I was before I blew my knee out in a high school All-Star game. It was kind of the beginning of me having knee problems. In a high school All-Star game, that I, I'd already had a scholarship to UCLA. How many of these players are playing in those games? Five-star guys that are already going to Alabama and LSU and Ohio State and Clemson are going to play in a high school All-Star game so they can announce their pick on national TV. They do it all the time. They're risking their futures by doing that. Every time they step on the field, they're risking their futures. You know how many great athletes played in bowl games and didn't have season-ending injuries? And if you're that good, you can still make the money if you have insurance. If you're a guaranteed first-round pick, a lot of these guys take out insurance policies. So, again, I get what you're saying. And I get that there's some people that are hearing it from every, hey, dude, don't play in that game. You're going to be a first-round pick. You're going to be a millionaire. But there are a ton of athletes out there that even if they do come from low-income families that are still raised in a way where they're like, no, I'm playing this game. And you're going to go out. I mean, the whole season they risked injury. I, I Again, I, I know. I get what you're saying. I hear the passion in your voice, and I understand it. But at the same time, it's just not the way I'm wired, so I'm not going to agree with you. Yeah. You play with the, you. Play gotta, with
4: your, you I, here's the thing, man. You've got to be more t- – I'm not saying you personally. I'm just saying, in, like, our audience. You've got to be a little bit more tolerant and just aware that there are a lot of people from very different socioeconomic backgrounds than us, than you, than what's I. What's the
2: percentage of players that have career-ending injuries in bowl games?
4: Very small.
2: Very small. I mean, you, people get hurt. You, you drive home from the stadium, you get in a car accident. I mean, I get it. Wayne, I, I want you to take your saying. two I know hands. Why I want you to take to your fate. two hands, put them
4: eye level, palms up. No. In your right hand, I want you to put the Cheez-It Bowl. In your left hand, I want you to put a rookie contract, first year, guaranteed money, signing bonus, et cetera, et cetera. One or the other, buddy.
2: I, I Again. You're playing in the I, Cheez-It I, I, Bowl. I, you know what? That's man, you, listen, and that's fine. Listen. Let's listen. And there's there. And I, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I, I get it. And yet we have players now like McCaffrey, who's dominating, right? Wasn't he one of the ones that, that skipped the bowl game? He
4: was one of the, uh, one of the most, one of the more outspoken
2: come, guys. He, yeah. Him, Leonard Furnett. Yep. Does he come from, from a hardship or does his family have money?
4: I mean, his dad played in the NFL, exactly. right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're okay. Um, again, Outlier I get it. The, the argument that are, no, but, but it's not just that though. It's not just the, the kids that are, you know, their families are reliant upon them making money. It It's, it. there's a lot of other factors that play into this.
4: Um, I, I can't wait to have this conversation in like three weeks when it becomes, I don't want to say commonplace, but it's, it's, it's a real thing in, in very much the same way, by the way, just to kind of mix sports here. Adam Silver and the NBA are, are dealing with this right now as a professional sports league. What what are they calling it, load management?
2: Yeah, And These
4: know. guys who are sitting out back-to-backs and stuff. Yep. yep. And, and so They, they
2: pointed out, yeah, they the, pointed,
4: go ahead. No, I was just saying the league, like the professional league, the best basketball league on the planet is having to figure out how to talk to owners, coaches, players about this very thing. The college guys are just like, yeah, no, I'm out. I'm not yeah, doing it.
2: I, 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 I saw this on, uh, saw something about this with that showed Michael Jordan and how many games he played and how many minutes he played. And you know what? I mean, you have to accept the fact that I never wanted to be, as a history teacher, the the, the person that starts to age and just has problems with all the new ways of doing thing, things. But I just feel like there's some things that are, you know, this game is tough. Every time you play, you risk injury. Every time. From when you're a little kid forward. Um, but there's also this concept of teamwork and what we do for each other. And I get it. You're saying, well, they're playing in a game that doesn't matter. I've played in bowl games that weren't, you know, I played in a Rose Bowl. and It was a huge game. I also played in a, in a Sun Bowl. Um, so what? We, we, we had fun, don't get me wrong, but we wanted to win. And I can't imagine if I was a quarterback of that team saying, sorry, guys, uh, go have fun. Uh, but I don't care about this game because it doesn't matter. Um, I just can't imagine doing that to my teammates. That's just that's just my opinion. You're not gonna sway me on that. I get what you're saying, though. I'm not oblivious to the fact that, you know, people don't want to tempt fate. Um, but again, I, I just I just don't see it. I just think there's something to be said about people's integrity. Their character, and I'm not saying everybody that skips out is a bad person either. So don't twist my words. Huh. But I'm just, I, I'm just a guy that that believes in. You know, when you say team, it can't just be when it's when it's when when, when it's you know when it matters to you. It, it's it's all the time. These are your, these are your teammates. We're going to battle together. So that's just the way I I think and that's you know the way I am. That's
4: You've got a code, man. Look, Wayne, I respect the hell out of it. I do. I have just my my approach and my thought process I wasn't going to be a first round draft choice either though. I know, but my <laughs> you know? my thoughts on this have evolved over time. That that's what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I think I a lot it, of there, other there people Yeah, yeah I know. think a lot of other people if they kind of just looked at these cases individually on their own you yeah. probably start to understand why well, a kid would decide to do what he that's did fair. well
1: also it's not it's not the right reaction that how why can't you just applaud a kid for wanting to go play that game and be a good teammate quote unquote and not trash the other kid for not playing like right. why can't why can't both be right why do they why so, does one why does one have to be wrong why can't guy right. who plays goes and plays the bowl game? Why doesn't why can't that be like, man, that shows a lot of integrity? That shows that he's a great teammate, so on and so forth. Why does that mean that if you don't do that, that you don't have integrity? Not that you said that, Wayne, I'm not saying you did. Makes for or better that, radio Yeah, for That's the problem though. No, it's but not- I
2: get what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, no, 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 no I, I, I get I get your guy's point. I just again, and I know there's a ton of athletes out there thinking the same way that like, you know, what if we start getting to the point to where halfway through the season? And and we may be seeing this. We saw this in uh, in Houston. Things aren't going well. It doesn't look like it's going to be our year. I'm done. I'm I'm backing out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna act like I'm hurt and take off the rest of the season. Cause why risk it? I, I just man I just feel like what this game has become. And I again I get it. it. It's become so much about money. I always thought that the idea was you play the game because you love it, and if you're good enough, the money is a byproduct of your love of the game. It, it, the joy in this. I mean, we talked about this earlier with Chris Peter and S- Peterson saying, dude, enough is enough. We start telling kids that they're NFL talent now. We throw that around all the time. Your NFL talent, your NFL talent. How many guys fail? I, a couple of weeks ago, I printed out like 15 years of, of draft choices for quarterbacks. You know how many of these quarter, those quarterbacks ended up being not good pro quarterbacks? Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that they're not great. Maybe some of them did sign a, a decent contract. But most of these guys are going to have to go on and make a living doing something else.
1: Man, you used up like a year's worth of the eighth grade paper budget just I did. to I just did. to print of paper. I did. Day, I, I, printed, I did print that out of work. I, <laughs> <Unbelievable>, <laughs> I did. that. Unbelievable, man. No, but, but I mean, you, guys, you guys, guys are
2: you guys are on a like a paper salary. You got to take I, it easy, I, dude. I challenge you guys. Stop it, server. I challenge you guys though to think about like go back through the NFL draft and look at all the first round draft picks that were flops. Now, granted, they they do get money. You do sign, you know. I, someone put this out the other day that most NFL quarterbacks that are making big money, it's not off their first contract; it's off their second one. But but I know that 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 there's there's money to be had, and I know that they can be life altering and, and change people's futures. But a lot of times, man, these NFL guys when they're done playing, they don't have a lot of money because they spend it unwisely. Um, you know. So and I'm, by the way, I'm going down a whole different road here, but. I, I'm gonna agree with you guys that I get that every circumstance is unique and different, but I but I have a hard time giving in on this idea that I'm gonna quit on my teammates. Hey, just I mean, real just, just real quick, Wayne,
4: because yep. I I pulled up the uh, you started talking recruiting. I pulled up the Rivals 100. Yep. Okay, because signing day is coming up. What, do so We got it's like soon. two weeks. Yeah, it it it's,
1: it's it is two weeks from this today, is Rivals.
4: Now, granted, ESPN does this, Scout does this. All, everybody's got their own recruiting service. Okay. Right. But this is gonna make you laugh or cry. Three of the top four kids on the Rivals one hundred are all from the state of California. Yep. You got a uh let's see here. You got a defensive lineman from California, a dual threat guy from Santa Ana at Matter yep. Day, and a linebacker from Upland. Is that Ui Ungalele? That's that's your new favorite. Well here's name where to you're pronounce. gonna drop
2: the bomb and tell me which schools they're going to.
4: Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Undecided.
2: Bama. And and Ohio State probably. Um That's the world we live in. Recruiting's not local anymore. We've talked about that before. You know, it used to be that, you know, when you grew up, you watched regional games. And and like when I was young, I mean, you watched UCLA games in, in Southern California. You watched USC games. They were on every week. So you grew up loving that brand. If you grew up near Nebraska, you watched Nebraska. Ohio, you know, Notre Dame fans watched Notre Dame. Yeah, there were national games. But for the most part, you were locked into your school in your region. You watched your conference. Um, now everybody, every game's on. I mean, I I can watch any game I want to every single weekend. And I I can record them if I can't be there, which I do quite a bit. My DVR is filled with games. Um, It's 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 easy now. And with the, you know, four letter network that you talked about earlier, um, you know, basically pushing the elite teams over and over and over again on every single show. uh, It's they're recruiting themselves. You know what I mean? And the bad mouthing of the other programs and even shows like this, where we act like a team that's won nine or 10 games should be thinking about getting a new coach because they're just not good enough. Cause they're not one of those uh, four or five elite teams. So yeah, it, it's become a, a real chore to recruit and travel is so much easier now. Um, there's, there's, there's just a lot that's changed. You know, we talked, we've been talking about that. We've, you know, you guys talked about how you've, you've changed and your opinions have evolved. Um, you know, and I get that. We all should do that. We all should grow and listen and change. But some of the old school ways are still good, you guys. And so, you know, maybe it's a combination of the two that we have to figure out. But um, I'm with you. Recruiting is different now. There's, there's so many players out of California that are great that don't end up in California. And that's a bummer. And it's up to USC, UCLA, Stanford and Cal to fight harder to keep those to keep those players uh, here. But the only way to do that is to win more games.
4: Yeah, I, I got to get out of this Rivals website, man. This is a slippery slope. I'm, I'm going to start <laughs> now uncovering. You, now you yep. understand. No, now I, you I get I, it, Look, man. I dip my toe in these waters twice a year, every year. I love recruiting, but I can't, I, I can't, I feel dirty. Like, I need to go Let's, bathe. I need let to me, go rinse me, myself. Let me, let me blow you, your
2: mind, though. Let's. And I know you know this, but think about this. When a school offers a player, so when the recruiting sites give players star value, have you ever noticed over the years that if they get an offer from a Bama or a Clemson, that another star automatically gets added to it
4: doesn't the Doesn't automatically. Well, show but up do on you think list. that?
2: Do you think that that ever happens? Yeah, sure. Do you think that the offers influence the star ratings? Sure. That, that's what I'm getting at. Do you notice that the different sites have different star rage ratings because maybe they're more like rivals might be more regional out west than it is. Back East or whatever. I don't know what the answer is to that, but there's the ESPN 300. If you ever look at that, that has Trash. like the top. Typically, those things are different though. They're all different, and That's, you wonder who's in.
4: I'm a 24/7 yeah, exactly. guy. Composite rankings, yeah. bro. That's that's, that's that's how, how kids do it. is 20, great. No, yep. I
2: love that. I agree. I like it's a great. Yeah, we got to get out of this
4: discussion. Yeah. You don't, don't want to
1: talk I'm, about Angulale?
4: Come on, yeah. let's go. Server actually nailed the number 2 recruit in the country. He didn't have the Gosh. website pulled up. He knew that because he was committed to Clemson. He was like, "Yeah, not only do I know this guy, I know how to spell his name. There's one consonant in his last name, and I know how to pronounce it." Phenomenal! Yeah, great job. Yeah. All also,
1: right. we have the number one recruit. Committed yeah, I admitted yes, right now. Yes, thank you very much. Keep going down the list What's here? his name? Server Brian Breesy. There you go. Very good.
4: Uh, oh, let's take a break, and we will come back. We will wrap it up with uh, with Wayne's World to send us off on a very uplifting note. Even though Wayne and I have argued for the last uh, twenty <laughs> minutes. Uh, sometimes vociferously, but we will uh, we will end it with Wayne's World coming up after this.
1: Woo! Got my nachos, got my big TV, and my favorite chair. It's game time. But you know the only thing that would make it a little better is if I could listen to my local broadcasters while watching the game. Uh, hello! You must have wished for your game to be synced with TV and radio. I sure did. Do you have a DVR? You bet. Do you have a streaming device? Yeah.
4: Lamo, Your game is now synced. It's that easy. Oh boy! To
3: see if you can get synced, head to SyncMyGame.com from Learfield IMG College.
4: Syncmygame.com. Syncmygame.com. We like to close the show with Wayne, you know, sending us up on a sending us off on a on a positive note. Uh, we call it Wayne's World. I never know what the topic is. I like to joke with Wayne that it's going to be about, you know, like the impeachment hearings or something, but Wayne, what do you have cooked up for us for uh, for Wayne's World to send us off here in new conference championship weekend?
2: I feel like this whole show has been uh, an extension of wayne's world today to be quite honest with you i actually feel like we've been we have been arguing a bit but you guys listen uh what i love is that we're willing to have a dialogue and way we may not agree and i wish our, our government since you brought up the impeachment proceedings would have would have more of an ability to do what we just did whether it's phil still and you want a 14 playoff and me winning an eight, or us arguing over players should sit out worthless bowl games or play for their teammates at least we can discuss it. I will tell you this in my chair, you guys, at one point in time today. I was actually almost laying completely flat. I was so frustrated. I, I, I looked at myself and I said, what are you doing? And it's like I was Tonight I was on the show? Like when,
4: when we were taping the show, you actually—you had a, w- a minor I had meltdown?
2: Sl- I had slid down in my, my reclining chair in my office to the point where I was almost flat.
4: What at what part? Do you remember? When like, we
2: were arguing about players playing in bowl
4: games. Oh uh, yeah, 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 you, you hate know, that. Yeah, you know,
2: I just it was just it was just really frustrating. But you know what's funny is it ties into my Wayne's World today. Uh, the Egg Bowl. It's been a while since this happened, and I know that 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 you know there's been a coach fired since then. But you know what I want to talk about, right? You want to talk about the piss and the miss? I I do. Yeah, I I do, and it. The, this blows me away and I notice it more and more and it does tie into what we were arguing about earlier. Selfish athletes. I don't care if it's a fight at the end of the game, I don't care if it's acting like you're a dog peeing in the in the end zone at the absolutely dumbest time, right in front of a referee that has to throw that flag. Has to. I I'm just there are so many players, and I see it on a regular basis that do the most selfish things. Even at my own school, I watched a a, a UCLA football player twice this year after a huge play spin a ball or spike a ball and get a fifteen yard penalty. One time, one time the same player did a chest bump to another player on the opposing team as if to like celebrate with them, like right in front of like three referees. I see some of the most selfish acts and what kills me. And this is kind of the way I I'm wired. There are some coaches that tolerate way too much. And it ties into all this stuff we're talking about. It's all about the kids and how much money they're going to make and what they're, how many stars are by their name and how they're, when you listen to a Dabo Sweeney and a, and a, and a a coach like a, and a, 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 Nick Saban, I mean, they are constantly trying to keep these five-star athletes grounded. I think that's one of the reasons why those two are the two best coaches in the game. They have to take on all these ridiculous recruits and keep them grounded, keep them humble, keep them. Trust me, I've watched Nick Saban have meltdowns on the sidelines when a player of his does something stupid. He doesn't tolerate it. He'll chew anybody's butt out. And I think there's an art to that. But what I see, and it starts at very young ages, I mean, when, when players, the, all they're concerned about, it doesn't matter what the score of the game is. It doesn't matter what point in the game it is. They're just concerned about how can I look cool on TV? And sometimes these athletes make complete fools out of themselves, and it is unbelievably selfish. I mean, like that act, the, 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 like you're peeing on a hydrant after a touchdown. It's such a crucial moment. Wow. And yet, I'm not surprised. It's like a guy jumping up when they're losing by 30 points and acting like it was a big deal to get a first down in the middle of the field. Dude, run back to the stinking huddle. There are just so many acts right now, and I think it starts in Pop Warner. You need to start telling athletes to stop it. And I know that there are people out there going, this game's supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's fun to win. Trust me. Ask anybody. It's fun to win. Getting it, 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 15-yard penalties because you want to look cool, is selfish and it goes against everything that football is about all of these acts that we see on a regular basis like i love in the nfl when when a play is made now and the whole team does some sort of a celebration together because to me that's in the spirit of the game it's it's a team thing it's something that they're doing together i've never been a fan of the guy that's like everybody get out of my way when you're trying to jump on me and celebrate because i want to do my thing that i rehearsed that makes me look cool to me that's a selfish act this was an ex- extremely selfish act and we see too much of it. High school coaches, stop it. Well, we have to win. We have to win and if I tell that player to stop it, he might he might transfer. You see what I'm getting at? This is a huge problem. Coaches need to have a backbone. It's our job to be trying to raise young men that are going to move on into the adult world to be the type of people that all coaches always say this. They want to they want to graduate young men who are going to be great husbands great fathers in the business world they're going to be the type of people that we can be proud of and I, I think it starts with coaches actually telling players no you can't do that or even sitting down players saying sorry but because you did this you're not playing the first half of the next game even if it might cost you a game I feel like we've gotten away from that a little bit um, and, and and it scares me because we're seeing way too many selfish athletes and that was a great example of an athlete athlete costing them the game you can blame it on the kicker if you want to but that was a really stupid thing, and that was just one example, and I see way too much of it in sports. They're in the end zone, grabbing egg, egg bowl. was still
3: four seconds in the game.
4: <laughs> I can't believe you did that to DK, man. One more time.
3: They're in the end zone, grabbing egg, egg bowl. was still four seconds in the game.
4: <laughs> That's David Kellum, radio voice of Ole Miss. He was... Great. Oh, he's got to be... He was mad, wasn't he? He was despondent, and, and yeah. DK's one of the... Best guys in this industry. Yep. He's an old Miss alum. He is. He bleeds red and blue. I mean, he is. Yep. I mean, and and I we've had him on the show to talk about the egg bowl before. I mean, it it, it means everything to that fan base. It really yep. does. Um, but man, I, one more time, server. I'm sorry. I just... During
3: the end zone, grabbing the egg bowl. was still four seconds in the game. <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, that's great. There
4: was I still an it. onside kick. Like there was yep. still a chance. Still, putting things in the game. He's, he's, he, they <laughs> uh, that that rivalry, man. Look, they threw hands last year. Remember, they got into a fight in Oxford, and you know, DK Metcalf, who's oh, yeah. now in the NFL, has like two percent body fat, was fighting dudes, and then the piss and the miss. I mean, just unbelievable hey, stuff from the Egg Bowl. Just,
2: just, but so since that game, did that game matter?
4: Oh yeah, it mattered. Yeah. Cause you know why? Yeah, but
2: it didn't matter for the championship or playoffs or anything like that. You so know, players have skipped that. Hey, game.
4: It's a rivalry game. Uh, oh and so look some
2: of them matter more than others okay well yeah I,
4: i'd say the game. popeyes bahama bowl when it's byu and fau I, i'd say all right, that qualifies I know, as I not it, mattering I was a bad i'm just trying to look man mean, go right get now. your blood pressure checked okay it's just a radio show we're just out here to have a good time it's all you good. guys are my
2: you guys are my favorite arguing like this is fun love you man I, mean, I hate that the season's winding down again it really bugs me hey we got some great games coming up though
4: yeah kissy face emojis for me and Cerber. okay we love okay. you buddy don't all right, don't bring you down country thank you man appreciate yep. that enjoy in, enjoy championship weekend we might have to put an e next to this we've never done an explicit podcast with wayne cook before we usually save those for felder on friday During we in the end
3: zone grabbing an egg bowl it's still four seconds in the game
4: we've got felder coming by on thursday special edition we had to change everybody's schedule around because of me i'll be in atlanta for the sec championship nice. so we're, we're having to re rework things sideline yeah, man. I, get I can't get after believe it, man. I,
2: I, Trust me, don't ask a stupid question at halftime. That's I, all you I I say. I
4: can't believe they let me back. I don't have to do the halftime thing coming off the field. I, do you I, get to do the losing coach after the game? No, no, no. I get a winning player or two on the field nice. as the yeah. confetti rains down. Nice. I do get both head coaches, though, pregame, and that's usually, you know. That's pretty interesting because Ed Ogeron is jealous. Ed O'Geron's going to bring it from LSU.
2: That's a pretty good question. Though. Yeah, you and Kirby
4: Kirby at Georgia is going to be Kirby. I mean, he's he's kind of a. You know, he, he's a tight-to-the-vest kind of guy. And, and you know, this is three in a row for Georgia, and I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. It's
2: too, it's too bad it doesn't matter if LSU wins or loses. They're still going to the playoffs.
4: Unbelievable. I, I don't want to end it on that note, Wayne. I know you don't actually <laughs> feel that way. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. We got Michael Felder from Stadium TV dropping by. Wayne, good stuff as always, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys.
2: Have a great time.
4: Thanks to Phil Steele. Thanks to Michael Serber. Thanks to Wayne Cook. I'm Steven Hartzell. We're out. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow at CSNOW Tweets. So long.
1: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate.